hired when I was 17 to go uh, live on a cruise ship and do do shows. And so I knew there was a future. Like I knew I was good at it. Mm -hmm. I knew I was winning competitions. The one job was uh, when I when I got my first Broadway show. It was like the moment that was. Uh, you have made it. You're now making. How old were you? I was 24. And, and I'm drawn to helping artists only because I always had the mindset while I was in a job that, you know, the next job's not promised. Like our industry is so fragile. While I'm making the money, let me be as smart as I can yeah. to set myself up and to position myself so that I'm not necessarily relying on the job and the industry to carry me through to retirement. Welcome, Brant Martinez. Thank you for uh, coming on to the Think Real Estate podcast or experience, whatever we're going to call this, in a couple months. Um, we were just kind of chopping it up a little bit about your success with the Starving Investor. I'm, I'm really excited to get into that. That's going to be super cool. But I did kind of want to like take a step back um, and kind of like hear a little bit more about, I guess, what brought you to this point. Um, you obviously have a very, very like long history inside of the arts and being an artist in many different ways. Um, what kind of started you on, on that path, would you say? Like just being creative and, and an artist in general before we get into specifics. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I started through a dance studio um, when I was a kid. My sister, she started dancing. My mom put her in dance class when I was like, seven or eight and i was always the little brother out watching her competitions mm -hmm. and um it was around the time that my dad lost custody of us i stopped seeing my dad and i asked my mom you know i want i want to start dancing and um she put me in class and from that point forward i was in the studio every day how old were you at that point i was 10 wow 10 years old yeah um yeah, I just I remember being at this one dance competition with my sister, and there were a bunch of Canadian guys there that mm. were all I guess like in Canada the cool thing to do was to dance, and they were all like besides playing hockey, right? Right, yeah, besides <laughs> playing hockey, yeah. No, but seriously, I mean the Canadian dancers, there was probably fifteen of them, and they were all crazy athletic, backflips, mm -hmm. double tours. I was always drawn to it through um, you know athleticism and doing crazy tricks and. Uh, after you know, after that competition, I was like, "Sign me up! I'll do it." So you started like just straight dancing. Was there any specific style that like you really got pulled into, or yeah, straight dancing? So it was ballet, tap, jazz, acrobatics, oh, wow. hip hop, and um, that's it. I mean, at the time, it was lyrical, and then it turned into contemporary. Mm -hmm. But it was, you know, a competitive dance studio. So we we competed. Like the the competition I was at with my sister was, you know, competition. So, what do you? Because that's pretty untraditional compared to most, um, like ten year olds. They're playing t ball. They're playing soccer. You know, pick up basketball with their friends. What do you think that did for you creatively um, at like a young age in in an art standpoint, but also like pushing yourself from a competitive standpoint of wanting to be like maybe the best in your dance class for example has that impacted you anyway or yeah yeah i mean it did it did a lot like i i grew up in arizona so you know the cool thing definitely wasn't to be a dancer <laughs> um you know but i didn't know any better i remember in fourth grade i went to i went to school and i wore my my uh my mom bought me this spizak dance academy jacket and I was so proud that I was a dancer. Mm -hmm. And I, but I didn't know. I didn't know it wasn't cool. I went to school. I ended up not having friends for two years because I wore that jacket to oh school one word. day. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, you know, on that front, it taught me, um, like, perseverance and to overcome adversity, I guess. Um, and it, it actually made me double down on it. And I was like, screw you guys. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to show you why it's cool. And at what age, because, I mean, maybe it happened at 10 years old, you had that thought, but I would think that's a pretty progressive thought for a 10-year-old. Like, at what age did that thought really drive you into be, you know, what your career was, which is Broadway and acting and, you know? Yeah, so, so I went to a, I went to Waste Elementary School from, you know, 
time I was in first grade. Then we, we moved when I was in sixth grade. Okay. And when we moved, I switched schools. Seventh and eighth grade, I was like 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell anyone at my new school that I danced. I learned my lesson mm-hmm. from Oasis. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think I started having those thoughts once people found out that I was a dancer. Like, we had computer class. They, people would look each other up on Google, and I would come up as, like, you know, Teen Mr. Dance of America. I won these competitions. No way. And my face would come up, and a picture of me dancing would come up, and they would, like, hang it up around the school and, like, draw, like, a fairy next to me, and oh it was a whole, whole thing. And at that point... I knew, you know, I knew there was a future. Like, I knew I was good at it. Mm-hmm. I knew I was winning competitions. And um, it was probably, like, eighth grade freshman year was when I was like, this is what I'm going to do for my life. So, you know, screw all of you. Um, this is this is where I'm going. Uh-huh. So, <clears throat> then that was, you went into high school like that, same mentality? High and school, then- yeah. Like, I, all my friends, like, I had a group of friends my freshman year, and they were all football, wrestling, mm-hmm. and, um, and you know they all made fun of me mm-hmm. <clears throat> were my friends but i was like you know the dancer mm-hmm. and i actually joined the wrestling team to uh be like i can hang with you guys yeah and i won um i won va- varsity 130s when i was a freshman no way yeah because um wrestling came easy for me because it's all body placement it's mm-hmm. all technique and at that point i'd been taking ballet for years and so i knew my body really well and i um I grew up also playing hockey at the same mm-hmm. time, so I liked the physicality of it. Um, but yeah, I jumped, you know, I, I jumped into wrestling to prove all my friends wrong, <laughs> and I did. That's funny. Um, at what point did you kind of realize, though, that this was going to be like the thing for you? What you know, where you know you go into college or, or whatever yeah. you did after high school. Like yeah. What happened kind of from there? Um, it was career day sophomore year it was like the first semester of my sophomore year we had a a career day we were picking classes for junior and senior year Mm -hmm. based on what we want to do and i knew at that point i was like wow junior and senior year are really a waste of time for me because i know exactly what i want to do has nothing to do with fire science or Mm -hmm. anything else that you know these other my friends are picking Mm -hmm. so at that point i went home and i said mom you know, I don't want to go to school next year. I want to do online school. I want to try to finish my junior and senior year online in my junior year so that I can start working right when I turn 18. Uh, my birthday falls at the beginning of, of the school year. So mm-hmm. I would have been 18 my whole senior year if I would have stayed in high school. Mm-hmm. So I knew at that point, I was I think I was just turned 16. I knew, I was like, okay, I need to finish two years in my junior year to be able to start working as a dancer when I turned 18. So I campaigned to my mom. My mom didn't want me to do it. And I was like, I'm doing this. Wow. And and, um, that also allowed me to train during the days so that I could do online school in the mornings and then I would go to a ballet school um, during the days and then go to the studio at night. Okay. Um, So that's like really interesting to me just because like I feel like there's a common thread a lot of time with like 15 or 16 year olds like that wake up and realize this is the thing that I, I want to actually do. Right. How did that transition into your professional life, you know, um, a couple years later? You know, like, when was that, or or how did that kind of, you know, that mentality of, of you choosing something very young, you know, and then transitioning into doing it full time, like, how did that feel for you? Being able to not have to, worry about biology or you know homecoming or all these other things that high school you know had to provide yeah, it definitely i mean like once i was out of high school it cleared my plate like i got to spend all of my time doing what i wanted to do mm-hmm. um you know i realized later how lucky i was at a young age to find that there's many 15 16 year olds that no idea what they want to do mm-hmm. like my my stepdaughter she's she wants to be an influencer but she doesn't you know have the thing that's like lights yeah. her on fire yet mm-hmm. and Looking back, I realized how lucky I was to to have that. But yeah, I mean, I I um, as soon as I graduated, I got my first job. I got hired when I was seventeen to go uh, live on a cruise ship and do do shows. And so I lived on a cruise ship um, right when I turned eighteen. I went to the ship. I was rehearsing when I was still seventeen, and I lived on a cruise ship for a year, dancing wow. in, in on. Yeah, dancing in shows on the ship. Was it like a Disney ship or something? No, or? it was Holland America, Holland America Cruise Line. At the time, it was the highest-paying uh, dancer job on the ships. Wow. Yeah, 
and I and I had I had friends, uh, older people I looked up to that that was always their first or not always that was their first job was going and dancing on a cruise ship. How long did you do that for? For a year. For a year. Yeah. And you were just like literally traveling around the sea dancing. Yeah. And that's like your first you, you first mean, job. Yeah. Did you I, think you made it at that point? Kind of like no, in a low key way. No. I mean, I I'm telling you, like when I was 15, 16, I was studying what how people broke into the industry. I knew what I wanted to wow. do. So I knew it was like this is a stepping stone. This is how you save money. You're gonna you know live on the ship. You're gonna take fifteen thousand dollars away, and you're gonna move to L.A. or you're gonna move to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't, yeah, I didn't think I made it. It was more just like, this is my first job to get something on my resume and to save me money to be able to move to a city, put me in a position to be able to audition and um, get, you know, more substantial jobs. Mm-hmm. So what did you pick, a- a- L.A. or New York? I picked L.A. You did? Yeah, I picked L.A. And I and it wasn't uh, wasn't the right choice, actually. I, wow. I moved to L.A. when I was 19, and I spent a year smoking weed and and not auditioning and just Mm kind of going through like that young like 18 19 year old trying to figure out how to be an adult live on my own yeah make my own dinner like (laughs) you know like on the ship you live right beneath the buffet and then you go to la and you're you know oh i gotta feed myself (laughs) you had no job out there you were just kind of like auditioning I, i was auditioning i had some stuff like i was in um the disney movie um camp rock um, like a brief dance scene you know Camp Rock yeah I know Br- Camp Rock yeah so I was in a dance scene in that um, and I was also so my roommate he was a Britney Spears dancer uh, he had just gotten off tour with Britney Spears uh-huh. and me and him grew up doing dance competitions that was probably together. at her like peak her peak yeah like wow. it was well not her peak it was her comeback tour it was yeah, the yeah. Uh, she's Gimme not done more. yet yeah it was the Gimme More tour <laughs> not like she is now um, no but he he me and him would go and do these extra gigs so we would like with the union that we were part of we could go and be like you know the the audience in a game show Mm -hmm. or like you know be uh in a scene as like just somebody uh, like at one point we were in a scene the strip club scene and we were just sitting there drinking like you know what looked like vodka but it was water and like passing out dollar bills at 20 years old yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's like independent film that's funny um so you had like a bunch of like extra extras type stuff but what was that one like clear spotlight moment for your career um where you really came out and maybe you did think okay i i've made it maybe not made it in your own mind but in society's mind or you know normal people yeah it was so after la i went and danced in a dance company i don't think at that point i had thought i made it it was it was still like a you know a company where they hired young dancers, didn't pay them much, mm-hmm. um, traveling the world, which was the big draw. But I think the the one job was uh, when I when I got my first Broadway show. It was like the moment that was uh, you have made it. You're now making. How old were you? I was 24, 24 years old. And how many at bats did it take you to get that Broadway show? Um, you know I was pretty lucky. I was uh, when I've. So I know so many people that try for years, like 10 years in the city, trying to get on Broadway, and they finally make it. I was in the city for maybe a year and a half before I got it. That's a long time. Yeah, it was a long time. Um, I had other jobs before that. To be unemployed, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a lot in the musical. It was di- it was it was part of the creation process. So I went with them to Toronto and um, put up the show technically there and um, helped like create some of the dance steps for the show and so um, not to cut you off mm-hmm. but I, I don't know that much about i've seen jersey boys in broadway <laughs> like I, i'm a big fan of jersey boys that doesn't surprise me yeah no <laughs> um, but um was that like the first time that aladdin was made a musical i mean i'm sure like high schools did it or whatever but like on broadway was like that like the first official time that or like what was so special about that production like why were you going to toronto and all yeah that stuff? so i mean really anytime disney does a broadway show it's a big deal mm-hmm. um all their shows are super uh successful i think the show before that was newsies which was a big deal um 
I don't know. I mean, for me, it was really just about getting on Broadway. It was mm-hmm. really just about getting that check. It was really yeah. like, you know, at that point, I was in New York for a year and a half, and I was struggling financially. I was. How, how do they pay you? Do they pay you per show? Do they pay typically, like, all in once? Yeah, so we, we're part of a union. We're part of Actors' mm-hmm. Equity. And um, if you're in the ensemble, which I was as a dancer, uh, minimum, I think at that point in time, I made $2,100 a week. Mm. Um now I think it's twenty three fifty, but the more you do, then you walk that price up. So if you have more credits, then you can negotiate for more money. Um, but yeah, it's per show. Yeah. But attached to that, there's like a media fee, so they can use your image on. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still on a billboard in Times Square um, for Aladdin. Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, what are we doing here? We got to go to Times Square <laughs> and take a selfie yeah. with that thing. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I got a couple. There was one point I was with three different shows. I was uh, on like marketing ads around Times Square. <laughs> wow. Yeah. They probably thought that you were like following them or something like that. They were like, this guy's in this, all three of these shows. How does he <laughs> divide his time up? So um, Aladdin was obviously a major hit. Um, yeah. What was kind of after that? Yeah, so I, I sat in Aladdin. I sat there for a year and a half and i auditioned and i wasn't getting any other jobs they you know people on broadway say that you know if you get one you're lucky mm-hmm. if you get two you're still lucky if you get three okay now you've like you've made it you've proved yourself mm-hmm. you can like book multiple things and i you know i was there for a year and a half and i couldn't book anything else mm-hmm. and i um and i was like damn this is that like lucky job i really gotta save my money because i don't know if it's gonna happen after this um and i actually planned me and my best friend who was in Wicked at the time, we Mm. planned like a six-month leave of absence to go travel South America. Wow. Because I kept auditioning, wasn't booking anything. I was like, you know what? Let's just take a break. I'll get, leave the show for a little bit, go travel, come back. Um, But right before I left, I saw a breakdown for um, Fiddler on the Roof, which, you know, Fiddler on the Roof. But the guy who was choreographing it it was the first time they were going to reimagine like the choreography mm. i'd been watching him since i was 13 years old and he was like my dream choreographer to ever work with his name's hofesh Schechter. he's the man he's like this israeli guy grew up in israel danced for ohad has his contemporary company in london's his first broadway show he ever choreographed it was like the best fit and as soon as i saw that breakdown i was like shit i gotta go audition for this and i went and i and i booked it and uh and that's how i got my second broadway show so, um, th- what I think is really interesting about like some of the things that you're already saying is you not only have a passion for dance, obviously, and like you know theater or acting or just the arts, but it seems like chore- choreograph. I can't even say the word choreographically. Yeah, yeah, choreographically, you have an eye for like the creation aspect yep. at what age did that kind of happen like you said a little bit with Al- aladdin right you got to be involved in the creative process yeah what was like that kind of like not only being someone who's a part of the show but potentially influencing the show yeah i mean i was always from my first gig in new york doing musicals doing theater mm-hmm. i was always hired as part of the creation team that is so so cool yeah my first job was for a show that was supposed to come to broadway never did it's called flash dance the musical based on the movie um but they hired me to help choreograph and actually teach dance class to the lead girl who wasn't a dancer um she ended up becoming my girlfriend we're no longer together we're still friends um but she she um yeah since then i've literally every show i've been involved with i've been been hired to be on the creative team um, and I don't know. I don't know why, but it's definitely my passion now, being outside of it. Um, you know, the reason I want to become financially free is to be able to make my own mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, directing, choreographing, I definitely have an eye for that. And um, so does my, my wife now. She's, she's a choreographer, so we want to eventually How did you wind up stuff. meeting your wife? Uh, I met my wife... Uh, 12 years ago touring Europe with her dance company at the time. She hired me when I was 19 years old. Wow. Um, and she was married at the time. And wow. that's a whole, that's a long, long yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. But um, we, yeah, we fell in love then. Wasn't the right time. And then, you know, we found our way back to each other uh, a couple years ago. So that's very interesting. Um, what, 
is that i mean i i know a little bit about like your story obviously of like what that brought you here to maryland but just covid was the thing that made you leave new york or like the broadway industry like yeah so uh, even before covid hit i was kind of at a place with doing eight shows a week where i was questioning um, my happiness i was questioning you know you get to a point in life where you're looking at the things you're filling your day with and you're like does this make me happy Mm -hmm. like is there something else that could light me up more and i was i was questioning that that whole last show that i was in moulin rouge that whole process of creating that and doing that show i was like i think this might be my last my last go as like a performer on broadway um do you and think then, if you're doing like three shows, you would have had the same thought? Like no, three shows, three a, shows week? a week's way easier than eight. I mean, you know, I was asking that question. I was like, how many shows a week am I actually present for? Yeah. How many shows a week am I actually enjoying? And I would say two or three shows a week I, I enjoyed doing. And then everything else was just a job. And at that point, I was like, I think I need to get on the creative side of it and mm-hmm. stay on the creative side of it and not necessarily be the cog in the machine that okay. kept the show running and... Um, so yeah, I mean, it was before COVID. COVID was a catalyst for me. It was like the reason for me to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, soon as COVID hit, I started working on my own stuff. And at that point, you know, when the job came back around, I was, it was a no-brainer. I was like, I'm good. Wow. I'm good. I don't necessarily need to go, go back. I have my time doing that, and, and I'm ready to move forward. Did that open up other opportunities for you as well, saying no? Um, or did it actually take away opportunity from you, do you think? I think it opened up opportunity. Like, I've said no to several things since I've said no to that. You know, their jobs keep coming. Um, if I did want to go back to New York and be on Broadway, I could. Um, but I think in re- it, it opened up other opportunities. Like, you know, I now am, have a family. Mm-hmm. That's something that is so hard to do while you're on broadway Mm -hmm. and specifically with my wife and my stepdaughter there's no way that that could work and and i you know i now have this opportunity to be to be a stepfather and to be a husband and um also creatively i'm editing my own film right now on Mm -hmm. the side i'm i'm venturing into you know consulting and and real estate and Mm -hmm. i think i think of anything real estate yeah, real estate. That's the first. I think that's the first time that we said that word during this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Or so, there. <laughs> just for some um, context for the community watching, um, we first connected through Indeed, right? Right. You were on set at Annie Live. Annie Live, yeah. In New York. In New York. Um, what What made you go on into it, Indeed? I don't think any. I don't think any person in their right mind should go on to Indeed and apply for a commission-based job. <laughs> but you did nonetheless. Did. A top top percent actor, artist in your own industry, yet you're reaching out to people that you don't know just looking for opportunity. And you had you know some connections, some people in, inside of the real estate industry, but and obviously you were looking for something local to the Maryland area. But what made you think, okay, maybe real estate is an avenue um, for me to transition into? Yeah, I mean, so I was on set at Annie when I did that. And Mm -hmm. it was actually specifically the day that I said no to a big job. Um, A big, you know, an upcoming Broadway show, I was going to be one of the leads. It would have been my first. I was going to ask, yeah. Yeah, my first time doing that. And I said no to it only because I didn't agree with how the producer was um, negotiating. He wanted everybody in the show to be on favored nations, which means everyone makes the same amount of money. Okay. And for me, you know, I it's a dance it's a dance show. It's a dancing show. The show is actually called Dancing. And um, I read the script. There's only you know a handful of characters that spoke words on the stage. And there's only a handful of characters that had their own song while also dancing. And so I disagreed with the fact that I was going to be making the same amount of money as somebody whose first Broadway show, they aren't saying any words on the stage, they aren't singing any any music. Um, and yeah, I just kind of stood Is that common? for my... No, it's not. It's, yeah, it sounds uh, it's, communist. It's, 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 uh, 
I hope it doesn't see it. It, it, it yeah. It kind of just like what's the incentive for for people to actually perform their best or or take on such a level of accountability or a role, right? All in the name of the opportunity. Yeah, right? that's how they get you to. Do you think it's um, not to cut you off, but do you think like not that the guy was trying to dupe people, but like do you think uh, he took? like a targeted group of people that he thought he could pitch that to or like well so it's it's many things um when we were negotiating it was before we even did a workshop right uh -huh. so nobody knew the workload so what's they a were workshop trying, workshop is like the first time you see the show on its feet okay. so no one knew exactly what they were doing in the show yet they just knew okay they're getting an offer for dancing it's a principal contract everyone's going to get paid the same but I had done pre-workshops of it already. So okay. I was already in the room with the director and the choreographer, put a lot of it up on its feet with only like four dancers. And I knew what it was gonna be. I had been talking to the director. He's like, yeah, we want you to play this guy. Mm -hmm. This guy did it in the past. Like this is gonna be a big, big deal. So I kind of already knew. I think that, you know, them negotiating before anyone kind of knows what they're doing is was the tactic. Okay. And I do think he was trying to dupe people, I do. I, I think, uh, you know, and, and by me saying no, we drove the price up a little bit on the Favored Nations, but... Because there's a floor price, yeah, right? Yeah, the it's floor price was like 22. I think we drove it up to like 26 a week. But for me, I was like, I've been working too long to be, one, taking a price cut to yeah. be a lead. Like, I, it just wasn't. It and just then that was going to be eight days a week as well? Eight shows a week, yeah. Oh, wow. And I didn't know how I was going to make it work with uh, my family and... And um, yeah, so as soon as I said no to that is when I went online and I was like, well, I guess I got to make a resume. And I had already thought, like, what would I do Yeah. Um, as just like a, not a side hustle, but another endeavor to be able to produce income. Uh, was there any relationship to real estate before that moment? Did you have any, you had some properties yourself, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So, so I'd always liked real estate. Um, I bought my first property about five years prior in 2015 and um yeah i love the 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 opportunities real estate presents mm -hmm. to investors and how you can use real estate to to build wealth and um i i had always you know i've I'd been helping friends of mine in new york mm -hmm. pick real estate and buy real estate and make airbnbs and so i I had had friends that was like, if you weren't doing, you know, if you weren't performing, you could you could be a real estate agent, you could be a you know consultant, or you could be you could do something like that. So wait, where was your first property? Was that like a rental property for you, or yeah. was it a primary? I just I hear you on the absentee phone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> rental property. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it's an air short term rental um, up in upstate New York, seven acre property um, about. 1700 square feet now when i bought it only had a thousand square feet had an unfinished basement um i only needed like 30 grand to acquire it um and it was worth 330,000 at the time now it's worth upwards of six which is crazy that area is just blown up like like everywhere else yeah um, yeah and um since then i've used all the rental income and and added more living space to it i finished my basement added a bathroom wow. um gonna put a garage on it pretty soon so what is a short-term rental yeah so a short-term rental is basically taking a property and rather than renting it on the monthly basis mm -hmm. you you rent it on the nightly basis yeah airbnb vrbo you mm -hmm. know it's 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 whatever is it vrbo you. or verbo I say VRBO. It might be Verbo. I don't know. I think it's VRBO. I think I heard in a commercial they said Verbo. Did they? It, that was just going to bother me. I had to ask that. Oh, well, we can look it up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, so it's it's honestly, you know, I got it before COVID. Even now after COVID, it's it's really like the way people are wanting to travel. You and know? you were doing it during COVID? No, no, yeah, I was renting it during COVID. I got it before COVID, but I was renting and it and it went up during Did it? COVID. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, so right when COVID hit, I had a guy book my place for two and a half months at the nightly rate wow and it was like i mean it was thousands and thousands of dollars Whoa. and he ended up calling me and he's like i'm a director i, I direct for this is off and uh, this is us on nbc he's no like, I'm way just trying to escape the the city i'd love to rent it through september i just want to know what kind of price you know we could work out and wow uh, he found me on airbnb yeah that is so crazy yeah so what's the starving investor then 
and how does that how does that play a role inside of um you know what you're about to do or what you're currently doing and what your mind frame is stepping into real estate yeah so you know before i went on indeed and sent mm-hmm. you a resume um i i had been thinking you know like my whole last two years on broadway i kind of was like the financial consultant to anyone i was around mm-hmm. in any dressing room it was like you know explaining to actors why they should incorporate uh what tax benefits that brings them um what they should do with fifty thousand dollars you know it's if if, if you have fifty thousand dollars sitting in your savings account you should probably put it you know in a mutual fund mm-hmm. or you should open up a roth and put six thousand you know yearly contribution mm-hmm. to that um, I had been helping friends of mine buy their own Airbnbs. You know, people had seen what I'd done in 2015, and they were always like, "Brent, like, how did you ha- help me? Help me get what you have." But their agents weren't doing that, or did they not have agents? Like, is it well, not the same? Agents, agents are more for like gigs, for gigs, yeah, for for anything in the industry, not for your finances. It's just interesting because, like, when I think about the sports industry, and I could be completely wrong. Like, I don't know if like sports agents help you know people with like their finances and whatnot. It's more like a manager. It's a more okay. Yeah, but even managers, like I have a manager. Um, and she's actually texting me right now about helping her look for an Airbnb in upstate New York. Oh my lord! Um, it's it's not and and maybe sports managers are different, but I know you know there's a lot of sports stars that are making millions and they blow it. They yeah. like get in so much debt and all of a sudden they're underwater and they de- they don't necessarily know. And that happens in the arts too. Is like they, yeah. people don't know how to handle their finances, you know, handle their finances or even like make their finances work for them mm-hmm. um and and i'm drawn to helping artists only because you know i i always had the mindset while i was in a job that you know the next job's not promised like our industry is so fragile right like what uh what you bring to the table today in five years might not be what people want mm-hmm. right um it's it's such a fragile um job that I was always of the mindset, you know, while I'm making the money, let me be as smart as I can to set myself up and to position myself so that I'm not necessarily relying on the job and the industry to carry me through to retirement. You know, my, my wife's a dancer. She dancers typically retire in their 30s you know what i mean so it's like especially a dancer of her caliber she was a ballet dancer she was in complexions in new york and a lot of those dancers if you're lucky you make it to your 40 if you're lucky wow and it's a different thing than you know other workforces that make it till they're 65 that can actually work um so i'm i i'm i'm i've always been super inspired to help the artist um you know become financially free or financially stable as quickly as they can that's just so surprising to me that there's not and like we were discussing even before like there's such a need for this right there's there's not that voice to artists which in my opinion is the ultimate commission-based lifestyle yeah like it's really truly you eat what you kill as an artist Mm -hmm. and you know i don't mean that in a negative way i mean that in a positive light like the the mentality that it, it it forces you to tap into what you just spoke on you know this x amount of dollars might be my last amount of dollars so how am i going to spend this and it sounds like you did it for yourself um was that your your primary investment was the one in new york city are you looking to do more yeah so i i bought i bought the airbnb upstate new york since then i bought um an apartment in new york during covid um i had a friend during covid yeah during covid I i had a friend that was a real estate agent and she basically said bran if you have some money I would get into the market right now because at that point in time, it was, you know, Broadway had been closed for mm-hmm. a year. She's like, buy in Hell's Kitchen, buy in the theater district. It will revive. It will come back. And it's at its lowest point. Um, and I actually signed the contract the day before they announced Broadway returning. Oh, my Lord. Um, yeah. So I got it for a pretty good price. What did other people like? Did you have any people in the back of your head being like, hey, like, I think that's pretty stupid that you're buying a property in New York City because it's like a xyz going on in the world like was there any naysayers throughout that process um i don't think so and if they were 
five minutes into a conversation with me, I then had convinced them that it was the best thing you could possibly do. <laughs> <laughs> then they went and bought yeah, one, Yeah, right? then they bought, yeah. No, I, I remember being on the phone with my mom. I always run everything by, by my mom. My mm-hmm. mom kind of taught me the way I look at finances. She instilled the fear of, of death in me with when it comes to, you know, spending your money um, irresponsibly. And I, you know, I said, Mom, I really just don't see how this doesn't work out for me yeah it's like i'm gonna be able to rent it i'm gonna be able to make some passive income off of it and it's gonna grow you know and um i guess that would have been the argument right like is it gonna grow is yeah. it gonna rise in value but at that point in time you know this apartment used to be worth seven hundred thousand, and i got it for 390 i was like i just don't see how this is um not gonna wow. work out yeah 390 390 yeah do you know what the price is like for that area now? Is it like still floating around like the 400s? Yeah, or? it's like mid fours right now. But at the same time, it's an Airbnb, right? No. Oh, so it's in the not. city, in the city, it's uh, it's illegal to Airbnb. I oh, could I could wow. push it and do it, but if you get caught, you're, there's fines. so what do you what do you do with that property? It's just I have a monthly renter in there. Okay, um, and I make like close to a thousand dollars in passive income. Wow. It. Yeah. So looking back i do feel like could i have done could i have created more passive income with that eighty thousand dollars i put into Mm -hmm. it yes i could have so that that play is the long term you know in 10 years when my interest rate changes yeah either refinance or sell it um, Mm -hmm. and make my money then either way i mean like uh, the one thing that just interests me the most about rental properties or like airbnbs is just the fact that even let's say that that renter does move out and you wanted to stay in new york for x amount of months or you want to go upstate new york and be in the mountains and just chill out for a couple weeks like you have the ability so i feel like it just adds a an aspect of like your lifestyle to it yeah and that's the thing for for me that i get the most excited about when i hear you know the starving investor and and your vision with this is like wow this is a lifestyle change not only is it helping people financially but like it's really helping their freedom at the end of the day yeah you you could if if i wanted to stay in florida you know two months out of the year not only could i generate you know passive income that goes into the equity of my home i can also just go there whenever i want and like what price would you pay for that it's like i was thinking about it um because i I was just like reading something about timeshares and I was like, wow, like I almost feel like these short-term rental Airbnbs are like people's way now to like have their own timeshare in Mm -hmm. 2022, if that makes sense. Yeah. Except it's yours. Exactly. All of yours. Exactly. I mean, that, that it's interesting you say that about lifestyle. That is why I bought my first property. It wasn't, it really wasn't to invest, right? Mm -hmm. Like my drive to get that was... I was a dance captain of a show, which if that basically is the person that takes notes on the show. They're in the show. They uh, put people into the show. It's it's like constant hours, constant dealing with different personality types. Mm-hmm. By the end of the, each week, I was depleted of energy. It was like the hardest job I'd ever had. And, um, and I kept renting these Airbnbs upstate to get out of the city. I'm from Arizona. Nature's mm-hmm. always been a way that I, you know, reinvigorate and... Mm-hmm. Um, and the more I rented Airbnbs, the more I was like, this is lucrative for these people. Like I have this money right here. Like I could just get my own place and then it's like, it's mine. The money I'm spending or not spending is, you know, it's more beneficial. Um, and that's why I got it. it was really to have my own spot to be able to go to. And then, you know, the more I researched, the more I researched, I was like, wow, people make a lot of money with yeah. these Airbnbs. So there are people out there doing this right now, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you think separates the people that are doing that um, and not maybe getting the returns that they want or it's just like not like a successful Airbnb compared to maybe your situation where it's always rented out? Yeah. It's a great deal, great prices. Yeah, I, I mean, I will say anything within two hours of New York City is going to be rented. There's really? so many people in New York that are. Is it just like the hubs, like L.A., New York, yeah. like? But just, also not like really. Um, um, oh, what city? Chattanooga, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Tennessee yeah. is huge right now. 
is like one of the best places to buy an Airbnb dollar over dollar, like has the best returns, like 2022 is supposed to get even better. Um, and that's not necessarily near a hub, right? It's like, yeah, kind that kind of like reminds me of like Asheville, North Carolina right? or something. And which is also a big, big short term yeah. rental place. Um, Charlotte. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think it's knowing the area. I think it's knowing why people go to the area. Um, I think for Chattanooga, that's like Smoky Mountains. That's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's it's a destination and like a vacation spot. Yeah. So people are going there for vacation. I wouldn't say Narrowsburg, New York, where mine is, is a vacation spot. Mm-hmm. It's more like a place to breathe away from yeah. the city. So it's kind of just understanding where you're buying and what it what value it gives to people that are going to be renting. And those are also two very different type of customers, right? Yeah. The, the the family that's going on vacation compared to the director that's trying to escape the hustle and bustle of New York City, of right? The city, right. Yeah. I mean, I get a lot of people that rent my places are like couples. They're mm-hmm. couples that are want to take a weekend, get away, spend mm-hmm. $600 and, you know, go look at a tree. And it's also people <laughs> that are just wanting to space, wanting to be on a seven acre property, yeah. you know? So when I was looking for mine, I think what makes mine successful is being able you know whenever you're on Airbnb you're, you're booking through pictures mm-hmm. um, so I was able to showcase land and a view and space and a fireplace and all of those things are super um, appealing to people in New York because I was one of those people in New York mm-hmm. trying to rent Airbnbs and um, yeah I mean Annapolis is huge mm-hmm. Annapolis is a big place for Airbnbs just because of um, the bay and sailing and it's like I didn't know this before I moved here, but Annapolis is like the number one sailing capital of the world. It's like huge. Apparently, and this could be very wrong. I think Justin Matney told me this. Um, He's he's, never wrong. No, he is never (laughs) wrong. Um, He said that Maryland is the state with the most um, like uh, shoreline or something like that. Like it has the most like water. I don't know if that's true or not, but maybe i don't know if that has anything that makes sense i mean that makes sense it is kind of um all folded in on e- on each other yeah. i've been like looking at properties on the water mm-hmm. seeing like what they're going for um, if you maybe. were to buy an airbnb rental in maryland where would you buy it um i heard you say fells point fells point mm. is is a, is an interesting place right now i have a friend that has an airbnb there um and i helped i helped her um acquire that um before your license? Before my license. Well, I was just kind of like an ear for her. She yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. I've seen what you did. Like, what's your property manager? How did mm-hmm. you set up? You know, whatever. Um, Fells Point's big because you can still get a place under 300000 mm-hmm. That's like, you know, a three-bedroom townhouse. And it is a trendy area. I know that Baltimore's still struggling with crime. And um, that's definitely something to consider when mm-hmm. buying in Baltimore. Um, but uh, she does very well in Fells Point. Um, Annapolis. I would probably buy in Annapolis. Annapolis? Yeah. So uh, let's bring it back. Uh, We were talking about Indeed when we first connected. I remember I sent you uh, like the the courses for real estate like classes. Yeah. And you passed everything in like less than a month, I feel like. Yeah. Well, it was longer than that. It was like maybe two months. But yeah, I mean, I was on set. So I was on set. I had so much time. I finished half that course before I even left set. That's <laughs> I crazy. Was just, I had so much time. And I was really driven. At that point in time, it was, you know, I had said no to this big, you know, big job. And I, I was making that gesture towards a new direction. And so whenever I'm in that place in the past, I've always kind of just dove in head first. Mm-hmm. So when you sent me those courses, like, well, this is the thing I have to do to, to kind of see this through. And so I just dove in and, and did it. And by every means, you, you did really dive in head first. Yeah. I mean, for the people that are watching that remember you from Game of Phones, you were the quote unquote winner. Yeah. Right. You yeah. got you sent out, I think, three listing agreements and got one of them signed in a week. Yeah. And it was like your first month in real estate. Yeah. Right now, I mean, people would kill for a listing agreement. And here you are, <laughs> a new agent taking someone else's lunch. You know, that that must feel pretty good, like just to enter another industry. Right. And yeah. be able to you know not make it to absurd i'm not saying you're the best realtor in the whole entire world nor are you trying to be but i'm saying you're immediately entering an industry and you're immediately getting a piece of business like what did that feel like did did it just feel like oh of course like you know i'm gonna just enter and i don't mean that in a negative or cocky way but 
like did you expect it to happen or um i was driven when i when i you know set when i set my eyes on something i will i typically accomplish it and it is it's like my my dad taught me it's like you you can't undervalue hard work it really is just mm-hmm. hard work the reason i did that for game of phones is because i had the i was on the dollar the longest yeah of anybody and it really is just the time you put in mm-hmm. um and like you know sidestepping those mental blocks of like oh i haven't someone hasn't picked up in three hours and um yeah i don't know i just kind of that sounds a lot like your your acting or your your theater career though right like sometimes you're just waiting for a phone call to hear back from someone or you're just waiting and you're just applying and you're going bat after bat on all these auditions and you're striking out potentially for you said what a year and a half yeah so and it doesn't end there i mean it's right now i'm i'm still waiting for an official offer for my, this gig i really want to do mm-hmm. um i've been told that it's coming but i still don't know and it's that like waiting game of are they going to sign the listing agreement yeah, am i yeah. going to get the the contract that's funny um yeah i don't know i i liked the hustle my friends have always been like you would crush at real estate because you are a hustler like mm-hmm. you you you'll make it happen and so i just kind of entered it with that energy of like what i put into it i will get out of it and it's really it absolutely um so let's say you know a couple years from now everything works out you know the way that you want it to in terms of your career let's say like what percentage is creative artist brand and like what percentage is more the like business side real estate investor consultant or do you kind of see them all you know encompassing together like have you thought that far about it yeah yeah i I think they're all intertwined i think um you know i'm getting a a lot of creative juices just making content right now Mm -hmm. um it's fun yeah i you were the one who pushed me to do that and i appreciate it um well it just comes so natural to you i mean i feel like this is what not like your career is you're about to hit a peak or anything like that but i'm just saying i feel like this is almost what it's led up to right you know now you're you have your license you have you know how to get business if you need to get business yeah so you know how to you know eat what you kill yeah you know how to find a good deal you know how to make an airbnb work and now you're stepping into helping other people so this next part of the journey of helping other people do what you did successfully with airbnb and can we get into numbers real quick i I think i heard you say eighty thousand dollars a year yeah one rental property yeah my narrowsburg property last year made me eighty two thousand um dollars on the year that's like double the amount of like what most high school teachers make, I feel <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah. Your Airbnb did that. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's that's kind of when I've helped friends in the past or where I've helped people connect to the end goal, it's through that. It's like, look, you just need like for me, I just needed a thirty thousand dollar down payment. Mm-hmm. Right. Seven thousand dollars of closing costs and then twenty thousand dollars to pimp out your airbnb make it look flawless in pictures to make sure it's going to rent mm-hmm. anything after that is it's going to pay for itself and it's going to pay you mm-hmm. i was like you so so all you need is this first chunk of money to be able to have this for years and years and years to come and leverage it however you want and i see what you mean by um the starving investor from the artist perspective like it's not uncommon for artists to get their big bag, right? You know, where right. they finally come into some money and then the mentality is, is you know, what do I spend this on immediately or what do I want to do? Like, I, So I, when I was on the road, it makes me think about um, a couple of people I was with on the road with Hamilton um, and they were young, like, 20 21 you could tell old. it was like their first bag yeah basically. first bag first job and they were young and it came easy mm. so they were like you know they spent everything everything that they got they're on the road for a year and their you know their mindset is yolo you know like yeah. we, let's let's just like have fun and i'm looking at it like you literally could set yourself up for life yeah. off of one year 
why not? And then you can have fun the rest of your life. Like, and I got through to a couple of them. And it's not that I was like pushing myself onto them. I would only really engage if if they asked. But, yeah. Um, you know, I helped them get incorporated. And I mean, being incorporated as an artist, like let's say you know you're on the road with Hamilton, making twenty five hundred dollars a week. Plus, you get a thousand dollars a week per diem, so you're making thirty five hundred dollars a week. Wow. Um, you know, multiply that for the year. You know, you're going to pay probably fifty, sixty thousand dollars of that in tax. Yeah. If you're not incorporated, if you are, like for me, I was. I was making that, and I paid eight thousand dollars, like on the year in taxes, just by filing through a corporation. Wow. And a lot of artists don't know that. I'm like, you, you're literally going to save forty thousand, like forty, fifty thousand dollars. That alone, just, I feel like, is life changing. Yes. I was like, you could take what you save, and invest it. Right. Put it into. Apple, put it into Amazon, it's about to split in the summer, put it into something like that. And in 20 years, you know, you're, you could have your entire retirement account, like just off of what you say to save in taxes. Why do you think people like don't do that more often? Like, why do you think the inkling is like, okay, let me just like be frugal, like careless with my money? I think it's, uh, I think um, artists, I mean. Yeah, artists. I think it's just not knowing. I think it's just not um, not knowing, not being educated, and also not being forward-thinking. I think I know a lot of artists. They're very in the moment. They're very about what they're doing right now. Um, my wife is like this. She's, mm-hmm. she's like so in the moment, and it's the best. But yeah. it's also hard when when you know you're not thinking about what's going to happen in a year where you might be in three years or if you're not thinking like you know worst case scenario what if you get this one big bag and then you spend all your money and then you can't get a job for four years what are you going to do like i was always driven off survival i was always you know i felt it hard in new york um you know at one point in time i was on craigslist uh going and picking up free items on the free section fixing them up and then selling them wow. like reselling them. so i like felt not having money and not having parents to bail me out so i was always driven off of like i gotta i don't want to do that again i don't want to do that again so and you were telling these artists to do this before covid right yeah so i'm sure when covid happened and broadway shut down they really understood what exactly you were talking about yeah yeah i've had a lot of people reach out to me since um yeah, asking me what what they should do and what grants that they're eligible for. It's also just being knowledgeable and like what, how, um, what benefits you have being an artist. Mm-hmm. Like I just found out about a grant that I could have gotten and during COVID uh, oh. from the state of New York. It's like twenty thousand dollar grant to oh. help you through that time, which I didn't get. Um, but yeah, half the battle is just like I guess knowing is being educated and knowing um, you know the benefits. But you seem like a different um, artist. Like, even from the moment I met you, honestly, man, like, you seem, like, very... uh, And I don't mean that artists aren't entrepreneurial, but, like, you seem very, like, rooted, operator, business-like. Like, you are Mm forward-thinking. And I maybe you being so involved in the the choreographic aspects of dance, you know, is is like a kind of a little preview to your mindset like yeah why do you think you are maybe a different artist um or or are you not you know like um like why do you think i think they both go hand in hand and i think a lot of artists don't realize it but being entrepreneurial is being creative Mm. right like it's a creative way to get to an outcome Mm -hmm. like to get to a fine, you know, a revenue stream. Mm-hmm. It's being creative. It's seeing what some, you know, a, a space needs and doesn't have, and putting yourself in it, and providing. Like that's that's like on, being an entrepreneur. I just look at it like it's the same muscle for me as like being creative. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different intention, right? Like if I'm choreographing or I'm helping a show, um, you know, get on its feet and trying to find the best thing for the show. I'm not necessarily thinking about, oh, is this the best thing for the show to make the most amount of money like that's not my job yeah it's a different intention but it is you know still being creative is there a job for that just out of curiosity yeah. like there's people being a like chief revenue officers well it's being producer it's a, oh, you know, okay, you're okay. like you're yeah producing a show you're or promoting a show you're like okay which what shows gonna sell the most amount of tickets like what shows are 
are going to get the funding. Like, you know, a lot of what I'm doing and the reason I'm doing it for artists is if, it, let's say, like, you know, there's so many times there are artists that work on a project that doesn't creatively fulfill them. They're mm-hmm. just doing it for the check, right? Yeah. They're doing, you know, I don't want to explore. Yeah, like they're doing blues. They're they're doing like (laughs) the thing that's going to make money, Uh but they don't necessarily uh, creatively agree with. Mm -hmm. My goal with like Starving Investor is to help artists become financially, not only financially free, but also help them be able to fund their own projects. Mm -hmm. So like what if the artist is not only creatively in control, but financially in control of the project? That is where I've, I've worked on so many jobs where... You know, we all complain. I'm like, oh, they're doing this because of money. They're doing this because of the tickets. They're doing this because of this. And it's like always the money that makes the decision on what's going to happen, especially in the choreographic directing side. It's like, you know, you make a creative decision. Producers in the audience, they come back. You got to change this because, you know, in Moulin Rouge, you know, there was a line in, in Moulin Rouge where uh, Ziedler says, um, he says, he addresses the audience in a class way so he addresses Mm. like the front of the audience as you know the rich people and then there was a line where he's addressing the the mezzanine and he says i adore each and every poverty stricken one of you and they wanted to cut it because they were like we don't want people to feel like they came to the show and paid all this money i would love that if i was there i was like just play into it and it's just moments like that where i'm like you're not you're thinking purely about money and and i'm and i you know, my whole goal with this is to help artists become, be able to support themselves off of their finances mm-hmm. and also be able to fund their own yeah. stuff. You're removing money as an excuse to really do what you want creatively. Yeah. I mean, imagine if an asset in Arizona, for example, was paying for your NFT project that you always wanted to do yeah. or a production that you always wanted to do or a piece of clothing that you always wanted to massively produce. Yeah. Like, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's where I'm at with my my revenue stream. Like, I wrote a play that mm-hmm. I want to develop. I now have the, the the revenue to be able to hire my own actors and and do a reading and be able to get you know investors in the room who want to also push this to a stage. Um, I'm making my own film right now, um, and was able to do that based on the money I was getting from my my properties. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jeff, do we have any questions from the community? Yes. Yeah, so, um, do you want to just tee up like what people are doing uh, when it comes to asking questions in the in the community and what that is? Cool. So, um, and I'll fill you in too, Brandon. Yeah. We have people. Um, are we live right now? No, we're not. No. live. Oh, we're not live. Okay. But good. we have pre-asked questions based off the interview. Oh, we're yep. great. So, um, inside of the Think Real Estate Facebook group. Um, we open it up every week to our community to ask the different interviewees the uh, different questions um, or different guests. And Jeff has some of the questions Sweet. that we prepared. Yes, yes. So, um, and and some of them I think you can kind of like rip. They're kind of like fun too. But one uh, I think that's really important that based off the interview, I didn't know if I really heard. Um, how did you get started learning about investments, wealth building, everything involved in that? It sounded like you alluded to like your mom was a big part of that, but is, is there sort of a path that you went down of like d- understanding and learning that into that world? Yeah. Um, my mom gave me like my financial perspective and, and saving and um, making the most of your money. But really it was, it was my own research. It was, it was, I had the, uh, I guess the, the drive to make more money with my money and to start investing and I met with different financial planners and I realized that everyone else is just going based off of their own research too and mm-hmm. it's really just about um, yeah I mean research and knowing the markets and knowing what you want out of it too I mean like if you like you said Airbnb not only is an investment it's a shift in lifestyle yeah. and it gives you the ability to travel and it gives you the ability to have a free vacation and um, yeah, it was really just like my own um, curiosity. And was there anything specific like in that that you really built the foundations of your wealth building from? What do you mean? Like, did you use resources like bigger pockets to figure out how to invest in real estate, or was it like 
you know things that you just figured out on your own oh no i mean it was reading i was reading article after article after article and watching youtube video and watching kind of using the people around me on the internet that have done their own research and then looking at the markets and people will say like you you got to watch the markets and and decide for yourself where Mm -hmm. you want to put your money um but yeah i mean it was yeah it wasn't just me knowing (laughs) it was definitely you know reading articles and watching videos and um jeff i actually have a question i really want to ask um i heard on another interview and this might be wrong as well i mean that's a common theme of this uh this podcast is that yeah. some of the information might be wrong so do your own research right however i heard that like 20 percent of millennials will never purchase a home they'll just hop around to airbnbs or like short-term rentals is this a fad or is this like an economic driver that you think will actually be here in the 2030s still um, like, do you think people, you know, because I know, I know a couple people. I work with a couple people that. But what make, do you mean by jump around from Airbnb? They go like and they, live. They live at from Air. I literally heard that twenty percent of millennials will never buy a home and they will never do a long term lease. Oh wow! I hope that's true. That's good for us. So <laughs> <laughs> you're not even thinking about it that far. No, you are obviously. Well, no, but like, I, I do don't think, think it's, it's a fad. I definitely okay. don't think it's a fad. I mean, think about it. You could go to the Marriott and spend $250 and get a room at the Marriott. Mm-hmm. Or you could go to a seven-acre property with you know, a kitchen, with a living room. Mm-hmm. With I mean, you get so much more bang for your buck when you use Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I also think, you know... I mean, will hotels go away? No. I mean, if you're going to go stay at a Disney World or you're going to go, you're going to go, you yeah. know, to a every vacation calls for a different thing. But I definitely don't think it's a fad. I think if anything, yeah. it's growing. I think if anything, just from being somebody who uses Airbnb to travel myself, like I'm not going to stop using it. Um, that's interesting. I didn't hear that. I didn't know that about. Yeah, millennials. I mean, think about it. Like, not a lot why? of why. But it's the same. Why do millennials not drive cars anymore? Stupid millennials. Yeah, stupid millennials. <laughs> um, why do they not? I think uh, I'm a millennial. Yeah, I, I'm definitely a millennial. <laughs> um, a couple uh, other little quick ones, though, based off of uh, movies or theater. Right now, movies. Favorite movie and favorite Broadway show. Uh, favorite movie don't laugh it's one of the best films ever Titanic wow Titanic is my jam me and my me and my stepdaughter have literally watched that four times in the last year wow it's so good it's a masterpiece um, and favorite Broadway show uh, or just like show in general doesn't have to be yeah I mean honestly my favorite show it, it was something I worked on but the best piece of theater i seen was Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. Uh, it's a show about war and peace. It's like 20 pages of war and peace in an operatic format, but mm. operatic meaning sung all the way through. It's all different genres of music, so they'll be in like an EDM into like a folk oh, song wow. into like a country song. It's cra- It's fast. It was amazing. It was honestly it was ahead of its time. It, it got 12 Tony nominations and only ran for like less than a year. It was like this weird uh, culty like like that's so cool yeah any other questions talk um i mean one that i had just based off of the conversation um can you just like you've you've i feel like you've alluded to and talked a lot about the starving investor or the start sorry what is it the starving Starving investor investor. yeah Yeah. do you mind bringing the mic a little bit closer sorry um the starving investor right yep uh what what is that and like kind of like what is that what's the future of it what's the vision of it kind of where is all of that kind of accumulating yeah um i think it's you know first and foremost a community um i think i'm trying to build a community of like-minded artists that um think about finance in the same way and kind of you know working towards the same goal of becoming financially free to be able to fund um their own art um and I think there's going to be so many uh, different parts of it. I know right now, like I'm working with four or five different people, um, people that I've worked with on, on, you know, how to file their taxes and how, you know, what what percentage of their in money should be in in retirement accounts versus high risk stocks versus real estate and. Um, 
and every person's going to want something different, right? It's a personal choice of like how you invest your money and and um yeah, I think it's I think it's this it's a community, you know, first and foremost. Yeah, a movement. And you know, the like I wrote out a treatment for it's like what's my mission? You know, my mission is to change the art th- uh, to change the art that the world gets to see, right? So like no more um you know financially conscious shows like being pushed by producers like we want the artists to be the ones that are like taking control of what art the world gets to see on a broader scale do you see a world where artists are so powerful that because of the financial backing that maybe some of these investments or just literacy that they've had over the past couple years from you or other people do you see a world where artists kind of evolve into being more of like the financial backing behind some of this yeah i mean i I think that's exactly what i'm saying yeah i think it's it's you know artists are no longer just the artists who are pawns and like other people's ways to make money it's Mm -hmm. like the artists are in control of the whole endeavor and that's that's kind of you know i know so many people that like have these amazing ideas and they're like ah i gotta go do eight shows a week at aladdin to pay the bills and it's like well you actually don't if you like just put in a year and you do this 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 like you don't you can you can take a step away and put your energy into things that you want to do and i think with that you know there will be more profound art that that gets like made yeah that's killer yeah I think we're good. Got it. Yeah, no more questions. Awesome. Well, Brant, thank you for coming on. This will not be the um, last episode with you. I'm really looking forward to the starving investor evolving, you know, the way that you see the vision of it. Um, I think the community is very excited for it. Uh, for anyone watching, how do they contact you if they're interested in something like this? Um, yeah, if you you could just uh, drop me a DM on my Instagram at the Starving Investor. Uh, yeah, just just slide into my DMs and let me know if you you know want to set up a meeting. They could probably even connect with you in the Facebook group. True that. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. The, in the Think Real Estate group. Facebook community. Yep. True that. All Thanks right. for having me. Appreciate no problem, it, man. Thank you.